Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. We're back with another episode of Side Boob Cinema. I've got John Astro. I've got AJ. How the hell are you guys? We're here. We're queer. Get, Get used, used to, to it. it. <laughs> <laughs> AJ, you said it. That was, isn't it like shaving a haircut? <laughs> uh, excellent. Before we get going, uh, I just want to do a quick shout out to uh, our biggest fan, uh, Aesthetic Exploitation. Got a little crossover with him this week. He's doing a photo montage of Lair of the White Worm. So do check out his account on Instagram, uh, Aesthetic Exploitation. Yeah, he does. He does great work. Um, so he does He does like these uh, pictorial uh, montages, I guess, of of certain films. And, and does he always stick to the same amount of... Of images is that? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should actually ask him what what his uh, you know personal creative limitations are. I think he set himself some some rules, and it's a same amount, and uh, you know this very cool treatment on it of, of you know scan lines and sort of RGB look, and um, you know uh, he's not um, not averse to um, to titties as yeah. well. It, it does look like he spends a fair amount of time airbrushing those nipples out there. <laughs> well, that, that's the overlords, you know. You got to, you've got to, yeah. you know, yeah, appease our Silicon Valley overlords. That's right, that's Silicon. Right. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> nice, AJ. That's good. Oh, Very good. I see what you did there. Hey. Well, guys, I, as you know, I'm not a zoologist. I don't know anything about reptiles, but I know what I like, and I like this. <laughs> you like this movie. I do. Well, that's good. That's good. Your time has come, Eve. Come here. You will have the honor of being sacrificed to Diamond alive. There is a legend of an ancient evil. Something's been found in Stone Rig Cavern. A legend that no one would ever believe. Legend has it that Stone Rig Cavern was the lair of the Dampton Worm. Unless, of course, it came right up and bit him. Four. I hear you're having trouble with a snake. Dionne was a pig snake god. I'm snake watching. It's as if they were just swallowed up. John Dumpton went a fishing once, a fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook. He thought, look, mate, a queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dumpton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha! Well, you must take the word worm to literally. It's an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon virum, meaning dragon or snake. Ah, the experience of a lifetime. Now the worm got fat and growed, and growed an awful size. With great big teeth and a great big mouth and great big goggle eyes. So John set out and cut the beast and cut it into halves. And that soon stopped it, eating babes and sheep and lads and cats. From the director of Altered States, creator of Dracula, a new movie of venom and vengeance. Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm. I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite. Uh, watch out for your ass. Um, I'm desperate to know what you all think of this movie. 
1988, Ken Russell is the director. Firstly, did both of you watch this uh, with partners or alone? With partners. Yeah. With partners. Okay. How did that go? She hated it. I loved it. She hated it. You sent me a message first that, like, that said, oh, oh, Venga, Venga loved the movie and I loved it too. And then I was like, oh, that's great. And then you said, no, I was lying. She hated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said it's her new favourite movie and I loved it too and you were really excited. I, I, sent, one exa- I sent one back straight away saying, no, nah, she hated it. Yep. So <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> well, you know, at least one of us liked it. That's fifty percent. That's that's yeah. That's that's pretty good. What, what about you, AJ? What did what did Frank make of it all? Frank didn't say much. <laughs> I think oh. he was in shock. <laughs> but he's like, it wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Oh well, there you go. But yeah. I was upset with that remark. I thought it was wonderful. Right. Well, no, because the word bad as well, you're like, what does that mean? Does he mean like intense or does he mean like quality bad? Yeah, like I think he thought it was going to be scary. Oh. Yeah. No. Well, Sheila watched this movie, I'm fairly certain, when it was a new release. And um, she's still terrified of it. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly, this this film has done really well in, in Australia. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've read a quote from Russell himself saying, I've got it here under my, my notes. Um, it said, Russell said the movie became a cult film appropriately, appropriately enough down under. It, became, uh, it did well in other countries, but not in Merry England, where our dour face critics insisted on taking it seriously. How on earth can you take seriously the vision of Catherine Oxenberg dressed in Marks and Spender, uh, Spencer underwear <laughs> being sacrificed to a fake phallic worm 200 feet long. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I do remember the video cover being fairly ubiquitous at video stores. I, 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 I'm pretty sure you could go uh, on the road across the Nullarbor Plain and at a, at a roadhouse find Lair of the White Worm, you know what I mean, just tucked away <laughs> there. Had a yeah. very Larry purple and yellow cover uh that announced itself and you looked at the back i'm fairly certain there was um uh dildoology on the back (laughs) you know what i mean i think there was they turn it over and i think that 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 because you know and that would have been pretty racy at the Mm. time yeah i i have fond memories of wandering up and down the aisle at at video stores and and, and with my brother and sister too, we'd go to the horror section and freak ourselves out by looking at the, <laughs> the, the Fright Night cover. That was a big one for us, the Fright yeah. Night cover. They had really gross slime on the back, I remember. Mm. Like, I just remember the front cover with the clouds that have the the sort of demon vampire at the top and over over the house. And, yeah, that was pretty terrifying for us. Yeah, But we used to love, like, just looking for films and based solely on the cover. Mm. Look at the cover and go, whoa, what's this? This is awesome, you know. It was a real, uh, yeah, it was, there was something nice about it. Uh, I actually, you know, I think looking to the future, I suspect one day someone will actually recreate that virtual experience, you know, mm. because, again, you sh- you, 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 they, they, it would be better to go into a virtual room and to look around and to, you know, rather than sit there with that nightmarish remote and just, you know, flick through uh, for an hour going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I going to watch? What am I going to watch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, look, yeah, that experience of going to the Oster and looking at stuff was, was, was you know, fairly, fairly yeah, magical in, yeah. in a way. 
mm. you know, um, and, and and inappropriate if you're a child, which was which was part of the joy of it is that, you know looking at shit you weren't allowed to look at. <laughs> yeah, for sure, sure. You know, well, let's uh, let's get into the synopsis, shall we? All right, stay with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Mary and Eve Trent run a small bed and breakfast in Derbyshire. Uh, and their latest latest house guest, Angus Flint, an archaeology student, has unearthed the huge skull of what appears to be an ancient serpent. Angus, uh, played by Peter Capaldi uh, of Doctor Who fame, uh, believes that his find may be connected to the legend of the Dampton Worm, a creature slain by the ancestor of Lord and owner of the land of the archaeological site, James Dampton, played by Hugh Grant. The poor girls, the Trent girls that is, are still grieving the loss of both their parents who went missing a year earlier near the manor of one Lady Sylvia Marsh, a rich and pale femme fatale type who's recently returned to town. After a pocket watch from one of the parents is found in the creepy Stone Ridge Cavern, Lord Dampton, Hugh Grant himself, uh, suspects that there might be a real-life monster story occurring in Derbyshire. It turns out that Lady Sylvia is decided is a decidedly sexy priestess to an ancient snake god called Dionin. She steals the ancient skull and kidnaps Eve, one of the Trent girls, with the plan to sacrifice the virgin to the snake god. Lord Dampton leads an exposition to smoke out the monster using gas pumped into the tunnel leading from Stone Ridge Cavern to Temple House, which is Lady Sylvia's abode. Angus uses, that's uh, Peter Capaldi, uses bagpipes to distract Lady, Lady Sylvia's minions and, and uses some snake bite antidote to counter uh, Lady Sylvia's uh, uh, fang attacks. Uh, and finally, James' expedition is a success and dying in the snake god is forced to reveal himself, which allows Angus to knock Lady Sylvia into the pit, into the open jaws of the snake, uh, uh, winning the day for all. Uh, that's the story. What, 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 do we all, what do we all make? Well, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a great, uh, it was a great time. You know, rather than being scary, I thought it was quite, uh, quite, quite hilarious. You know, I think Russell's created one of the most deliciously wicked cinematic villains of all time in Lady Sylvia. Oh, um, she was fantastic. And and really, this is her. This is her story as well. You know, we're not. I, I know we follow the girls and and sort of their situation with, with trying to find their parents, but but really all the other characters around are sort of sort of mild and meek and and just just country bumpkins, and she is just this outrageous um, femme fatale, just out having a great time uh, with her with her evil plan. Classy, yeah, just sex on legs and what <laughs> long legs. <laughs> Sexy as hell for sure, and he does this real. I think there's a real good, uh, a really good juxtaposition between just the really daggy, uh, you know, other characters like like the two sisters and the archaeologist that just wearing the most drab sort of farm wear. And when you first start start seeing that, when you first start watching the film, it's you know that the sets are all really drab and just gray and but then when it goes to some of these these sort of dream sequences and and any of the scenes that that uh that feature uh lady sylvia they're just they're just electric with color and uh, like the costumes and and then his use of green screen in in some of those uh some of those dream sequences is quite uh quite amazing too it's sort of like a, a low budget dali painting i thought <laughs> I love those scenes. The the the, the striking video, uh, the 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 uh, fantasy sequences are just. Mm. There weren't enough of them. 
Well, I counted, I counted four. Really? Uh, I think. Well, let me let me just. I'll run through them with you. Stay stay with me. Uh, so, what do we got? Because these were my favorite scenes. I, I think that the, these scenes are, to me, a real signature of Ken Russell. If you watch his films, these types of surreal interjections uh, are are common. And uh, so, the first one that I clocked was Eve. Um, uh, touches the snake venom on the wall and then we cut to nuns being ravished by centurions uh, while Jesus is attacked on the cross <laughs> by Dion in the snake god. So that was a good one. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, all the while in the background, he's, cre- he's doing this, this, this sort of blue, what would have been blue screen uh, video effects. So, so it's got this interesting quality to the image it's very different to the fit to the mm. 35 millimeter film they've shot on and so it's it's quite shocking it's very of the minute too of of in the in the 80s like a, like a music video uh the next one i got was so James. he shot he shot that on video has he not yeah you can tell you can yeah. tell by the look of it like they, they've shot it on video and then like uh you know, sort of transferred it to film i guess to cut it in um and there's just something about the quality of of uh that makes it um it's so interesting, you know, uh, particularly now because we don't we, that 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 that's, uh, quality is 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 long gone now. It's mm. it's all digital. I think it makes it uh, it makes it more terrifying. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't take it all in. That's right. I got three more, so you tell me which one is your favorite. The next one was uh, Hugh Grant. So James Dampton falls asleep in his bed. He sort of dream walks into the painting on his wall, uh, which is a a, a a a rendition of of his ancestors' battle with the the, the snake, uh, and then we cut to an extended uh, fantasy aboard a private jet, in which the women in the film uh, attend <laughs> attend oh, to him. Oh, I had a chubby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's okay to have a chubby. <laughs> That's right, they attend to him as hostesses uh, as he does the crossword. The Trent girls' parents are also in attendance. Um, Lady Sylvia Marsh menaces all and uh, also wrestles with uh, with uh, Eve, uh, played by Catherine Oxenberg, and at which point's my favourite bit, James lifts his pen as he mm. watches. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I agree. It was good, eh? So that was nice. So that, so that was, and that's quite an extended sequence too, that yeah. one. Mm. Uh, there's two more. The next one is Lady Sylvia uh, checks that he firstly checks that Eve's, Eve Eve is a virgin. Uh, well, this is well, I think pretty sure when she just gets off her tanning bed, mm-hmm. she's got uh, cut. Yeah, then we cut to an impale, impaled nuns on like phalluses, while a topless Lady Sylvia performs fellatio on a bloody dong. Yeah, <laughs> that good. That good one. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Uh, good. And then the next, last one was uh, Mary is bitten by her possessed mother and dreams of snake priests and priestesses penetrating her with sharp horn dildos. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's an opportunity for a sex toy from the film. <laughs> a branded sex toy. Branded. <laughs> the white worm. <laughs> oh, yeah. The white worm. <laughs> so those sequences, that's four, and they were all fantastic and and orgiastic uh, mm. explosions of, of blood and sex. Actually, and they sort of do the no-no, in, in, which in, in mainstream, uh, I'd, anyone can challenge me on this, but mainstream, mainstream American film and, and Hollywood, the big no-no is mixing sex and violence. 
And um, and these scenes uh, routinely do that. You know, we've got people, which is that that's like the the, the like if you watch John Wick, right? You can see, uh, you know, 150 people get shot up, but but you know, if a titty pops out, then it's like a holocaust. Uh, sorry, delete that word holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say, uh, uh, if a titty pops out, then um. It's like, uh, yeah, a mushroom cloud would just appear, and and uh, uh, the whole uh, the whole thing goes up because it's it's beyond the pale. You know what and, I mean? And the only exception of, to that is if there's a huge ac- action scene going on and lots of people are dying, but then two people are having sex in the back of a car, and they all of a sudden realize <laughs> that that there's there's like shooting going on. Commando, them, then, yeah. There's a commando <laughs> scene when they fight and they they bust into the next room, and there's just like. Two people having sex, and a woman with big old titties gets something. Oh, and they look and yeah. Like, well, that happens know. in Tango and Cash too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I I can't. They're they're the two that I can remember, but I just remember heaps of those sorts of things happening. But that it's like it's it seemed like at that time in America that was how you how you could shoehorn it in. You know, you couldn't. Yeah, whereas Ken yeah, Russell's yeah, yeah. he doesn't know the rules, right? So he's just he's going anyway. So yeah, she's screaming and the horn dildos and she gets penetrated. I mean, that's beyond mm. the pale. Yeah. Yeah. Does he, does he kind of get away with it because it's more of a, he could argue that it's a dream sequence rather than what's actually happening? Yeah, I guess so. And, and it is colourful and, and outlandish and surreal and, and, you know, and, and, and frenetic and, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, as you say, if it, was, if it was done like Hostel or something, like where it's actually happening, like if stabbing someone in the head with a dildo is... Um, not <laughs> not good. Don't, don't do oh, that. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah, those were definitely my favorite uh, favorite films. Uh, sorry, so for favorite scenes in the film. Well, I, I I quite like I like the Hugh Grant airplane bit. I thought that was really good. It's uh it's quite confusing why Hugh Grant spends a lot of the film dressed as a pilot, and it's never really explained. Like. Seems like he's in the air force, but but he doesn't seem to be doing much, but just kind of like hanging around his manor and yeah. Well, Prince, what's his face was was in the army, and he you know well true, he, but he, he went to Afghanistan, did he not? Okay, yeah, but like Hugh Grant could have gone to the Balkans or something. Or, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, well, true. It's just not explained, and I, I but that's good. I actually don't mind. It is good. I don't a mind. A lot of shit is not explained. Well, I don't well, mind that at all. It's, yeah. I'm not saying that as like a negative thing. I, I think it's quite interesting that that he's like that. But then, um, yeah, I just I really like that scene. I like that scene also because I think it, it really highlights uh, the music in that scene. Mm. I, I had that as an example of of quite an effective use of music. I, I read a Guardian article that that uh, mentioned the music and said it sounded like a kid with his first synthesizer hitting all the buttons at once. I read that. Which which I, I think is <laughs> a little unfair. Um I think I, I think yeah I think one of the best scenes musically is that that dream sequence on the plane and uh yeah where all the female characters are playing flight attendants and it's mysterious and strangely sexy with with this sort of reverb washed synth sax. Uh, the scene descends into that sexy fight between Oxenberg's character and Lady um, Sylvia, uh, which uh, which is underscored by relentless drums and guitars, which is quite frenetic. I think a lot of those scenes have the, those sort of textures and sounds. And um, the scene ends with Grant's character finding the pocket watch in the cave 
Uh, and that's accompanied by these big, expansive synth chords that uh, provides the scene with a sense of, of wonderment. Um, and of course, the, the score is low budget, as you might expect, but I think it's completely appropriate for the mixture of sort of slightly shitty dialogue and and a couple of weak actors in the bunch. And, uh, and the are camp. you referring to Mary? <laughs> I am indeed. <laughs> And also, you know, I think it matches well that the, the camp titillating sexy horror and the surrealist sort of dream uh, dream sequences. So I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Well, Ken Russell is, uh, you know, he he is, I don't know, music's in his in his blood and bones. You know, he did Tommy and um, he's, he did, uh, he, I don't think anyone has done as many biopics of classical composers as Ken Russell. Like, do you know what I mean? So he has a deep love of, of well, uh, fine art in general, but, you know, he's, he's, he's on the record, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I can talk about, I want to talk about some of his other stuff a little later, but one of his films about Tchaikovsky is, is fantastic. And he's done one on Mahler and, um, you know, obviously, I mean, he did, uh, so there was those two films, like Tommy and Litsomania, I think the other one, I forget how to say it, but uh, with Roger Daltrey, he he clearly is inspired by music, and and um, I think that that is part of his. He, he is uh, very much what I would say a, a proponent or a, of pure cinema. You know, cinema, the way we used to understand the word, is something that cuts through the rational parts of your brain and and it bypasses the neocortex and goes straight into into primal areas and music is and his images together are 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 perfectly suited it's the exact opposite of the sort of corporate mission uh that disney and marvel and everyone uh, and and to a certain degree you know all those netflix shows that sort of just pop up uh you know with these with these sort of uh by the numbers writers rooms they have Ken Russell's not playing by those rules, you know, and and so I, I think pure cinema is how I would describe it, and and his use of music is key to that, and you can see that even in the um that that jaunty uh, worm rock and roll ballad <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning. Um, I, well, I thought, yeah, I mean, what's so interesting is that the um the film is set and uh, is is there's not a lot of films that get to use sort of what do we say uh, <laughs> English ancient english <laughs> folklore mm. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's it's just not uh and he's i think ken russell said this he originally wanted to do dracula and i think his dracula would have been fantastic um with all that i all with the very iconic story and whatnot but um he's managed to find a story here which is is you know that yeah as he says that you don't have to travel to transylvania to get it mm. you know to yeah, get all that because yeah. what you need with these kind of monster movies is, is um, you know, uh, you need to point to a, a dark ancient history or ancient things, you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely a fascinating milieu and just loving loving country England. He loves it. Loves, like, dungarees and, you know, <laughs> like little, little uh, sort of country shanties and stuff, you know? Well, let's talk about Lady Sylvia because she is the standout feature of this film for sure. I think she's interesting. She's an interesting female villain because I think there's a tendency in, particularly in 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 more more recent 
film and, and TV, there's a tendency to explain female villains, like explain their pathology uh, to justify their evil, like mm. that they're either, you know, abused as a kid or, or it's some sort of revenge thing that they're engaged in. But uh, in this film, Lady Sylvia, she doesn't ha- sort of have that background or at least we don't know about it. Um, she just seems to love it all. She's just having fun. She's even rocking the hairy pits. Yeah, I had I that, that in my notes. <laughs> That's what my notes consist of, guys. Now, legs, legs, legs. Hairy Shit pits. like that. It's like it's it's like uh, the 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 private ads in the, in a newspaper. <laughs> yes, on Gumtree. <laughs> hairy pits. Yeah. Well, what? But but I'm I'm you know just having a guess here, but I'm imagining you know that that wouldn't have been in in vogue. At the time, or maybe it was. I don't know. Is it a statement? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, not? Yeah, I don't know much. No, about I don't it. think then, because Julia Roberts, when she did it in '90s or whatever, that was a big deal. It was like mm-hmm. some picture of her, you know, waving, and she had the hairy pits, and it was like, oh, shock horror. <laughs> yeah, whereas now, I don't even know. Now, fuck it, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it depends who, who you talk to. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. But uh, um, yeah, so Lady Sylvia, um, and that '80s, '80s. Athletic chick body, you know. She's so tall. Yeah, well, she looks she really tall. tall. Yeah, but like that—that that is, it was just in, you know, I don't know, just that really slight frame, mm. snake mm. hips. There I yeah. say. Yeah, the the great thing about that character and 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 the actress as well. What's her name? Um, Amanda Donahoe. Yes, uh, she she never wavers from uh, a performance that gloriously combines high camp with. With, with fixed seriousness, you know, like mm. I think she's just having so much fun with this character and skirting the line and and she says she says a lot of humorous in-jokes. I think in there, I think they're in-jokes with the audience rather than any of the characters there. Like like when Hugh Grant comes over to her place and and uh, he asks, do you have children? And uh, she says, only when there's no men around and stuff <laughs> like that, you know. And then there's that whole scene where she picks up that Boy Scout, um, which is... So risque, so risque. Like she's just, she's swanning around in these big, long black leather boots that get like thigh high boots and underwear. Um, And, and he's just lounging around on pillows in front of the fireplace, like naked because he's really wet from, from the rain outside. And um, yeah, she ends up sort of seducing him, getting him in the bath and then, you know, obviously biting him and and, and killing him. But Bites his pecker. Yeah. Bites his pecker. Yeah. Is the implication. And that scene was supposed to be full nudity of, oh, wow. of that of that boy, but he he chickened out at the last minute. So, oh, but, <laughs> no, I just I just don't get it. Like I I feel like because nudity on screen is fairly indefensible, right? By by everyone, like like as in um, we're human beings. We're obviously interested in 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 naked forms. Like just look, you know, uh, for various reasons, not all chubby related. Although chubbies can happen, you know. <laughs> so you put that on a bumper sticker. Chubbies, chubbies can happen. But handle with care. The handle with care. <laughs> that, but that's not the main reason. So it, it's one of those things like you just got to get, like they did with Game of Thrones early. You just got to get a rock solid contract. You got to say, look, you got to be honest and say, this is what we what we need. You don't have to. We're not. We're not looking for some kind of comment from you about 
you know, whether it's good or not or whether we're pornographers or not, that's not part of our discussion. It's like you, you do it and you do it as it says in the script or you don't do it. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like, well, and- Ox- Oxenberg pulled out at the last minute too. She was supposed to be fully nude uh, in the in the sacrifice. Don't get me started. Why are you going to bring it up? No titties. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Why? Why is she doing this to me? Why? What? Mm. Catherine? She didn't want to show me the the royal jewels. <laughs> you know. Uh, she no, also she- insisted on silk underwear from Harrods. Oh. And Ken Russell said, uh, no, that's not in the budget. Wear these instead. Oh, wow. Yeah. She couldn't even BYO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. Oh, well, I feel like the, the, the addition of those two uh, scenes having been, if, if they were, in fact, filmed the way they intended to be, I think it would push this film to the next level. Like, yeah. Like having having a, a an underaged boy mm. like being seduced and and showing some nudity as well and then you know having this super hot um, princess as you know as the uh, as the hot virgin being sacrificed at the end like that I think that would tip this movie over to like to like everyone knowing about it you know absolutely well well I, you know a little bit later I'll talk about Ken Russell and some of the other films and, and that that do go to that next level. Mm. But we do need to. What about um, Hugh Grant? Uh, well, I've I've never been a fan of Hugh Grant. I I like him in this film just because, because it works. Like he's just this prat, you know, rich oh. lord guy. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do you like him? Do you? Uh, AJ, are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I love Hugh Grant. Do you? What? Is it because he looks like my brother? And you know. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, um, but and you know what? I don't like the rehabilitated, like critic-approved Hugh Grant. I like the other one. I like Nine Months, Four Weddings, Notting Hill, Love Actually, Love All That. I hate the new one, and oh. I hate people who like the new one. Right. I like the new one. I'm sorry, AJ. I don't like it. When he did about a boy, I hated it. I was like, I was like, I was like, no. I was like, give me, give me the other. Well, one. that's that's his favorite role. Yeah. Well, fuck that. Really? Fuck him. Fuck that. And he and he's embarrassed of this of the white one. He shouldn't be. He should not be. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. I can understand. Like the, the, everyone's got uh, skeletons in their closet. Like um, Matthew McConaughey and Renee, Renee Zellweger are both in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Four. You know what I mean. So everyone's got, uh, you know, their their um, sins. But you know, he should he should feel good. Like you know what he should say to people. He'd say she'd say, look, the film is what it is. But I got to work with um, one of the greatest artists of the 20th century. So how about um, you just can go fuck yourself? Do you know what I mean? Like oh. it's it's one of those things. It's like hey, I got to work with Kurt Russell. Uh, with, sorry, Ken Russell. I don't I don't care what you say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'd say it's, he's amazing, and there's yeah. no argument. There. It's like he's amazing. So, but there's this weird idea that 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 just because an actor's in a movie that they like the movie as well. You know, mm. like I, I guess that's an audience perception that that you, you must just feel that yeah, if you look at a particular actor that that they've loved every role that they've done or or, or love every movie that they've been in, which is not not necessarily true. And and actors have got to realize that too that 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 they're they're actors and particularly at the start of their career, they've got to take what opportunities come their way and, and do the best they can. And 
So I don't think they should look back on their history and especially a film like this where where, where there are lots of fans. You know, I think that's mm. a little bit that's a little bit uh, insulting to to well, some. It becomes of the fans, you become you know? William Shatner there. And you're saying like, you know, I hate Star Trek, or like, or Alec Guinness saying like, Alec Guinness, yeah, screaming at a twelve year old kid or whatever, saying Star Wars sucks. <laughs> that's right, yeah, and that's and that's really, I mean, that's really disingenuous and really just, I think, stupid. Like, 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 so Alec Guinness, yeah, sure, he did all these great roles, but a twelve year old in in nineteen eighty five or whatever. Who, who loves Star Wars, who sees him and goes, well, you know, it's Obi-Wan. Like, I mean, he should be proud that that a 12-year-old even knows who the fuck he is. Like, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, he probably did the movie um, not expecting anything was going to happen and then it, it ended up becoming uh, the biggest movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he probably can't He can't go to anywhere without people saying, you know, may the force be with may you. May the force be shit. with you, yeah, yeah. You know, and he'd just be like, fuck you. He'd be, he'd be like, fuck you. Haven't you seen Passage to India? Yeah. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> I haven't. So you're in your own personal nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Hugh Grant, you're you're a fan. You you like you like what he's doing. Love all that. Love all. Uh, yeah, I I just yeah love all the old stuff. Hate the new stuff. I I love the scene in this film where he slays, where he slays the mother, cuts her in half with a broadsword, and then there's a slow motion <laughs> shot of him falling over this drum kit that's set up in his lavish lounge room. That again is unexplained. You know why is there a a, a, a nice looking drum kit there? Who cares? You know, it was just set up so he could fall on it. You know, <laughs> that's the that's the line of the film, though, isn't it? Who cares? Who cares? You know? yeah. like, just like who cares? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, no, that's a great scene. And uh, Peter Capaldi, he's good. He's proper. You know, um, very young here. Mm. Uh, I've never seen the thing in the, uh, the thick of it. Is has anyone seen the show? No. The British show. I no. think I've seen clips. It's yeah. good. Yeah, looks good. Uh, and then did uh, Doctor Who after that. So yeah, he's he's been. I just remember him from when he was in Skins. Ah, Skins. <laughs> That's the dad. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. I, I still have yet to see Skins. And uh, and and Mary AJ, you you're not a fan of Mary. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Ter- but it, it, terrible in a good way. Well, yeah. but terrible. Sammy Sammy Davis said her name. Yeah. Sammy? Yeah, well, he did three movies for this group, Vestron and Pictures, and um, you know, I hope we watch all of them. Gothic, which is which is actually a good uh, proper movie, uh, I think, and um, uh, the Rainbow, which is a prequel to his his nineteen sixty nine film uh, Women in Love, and Sammy Davis is in that, and uh, she's she's much better suited to that that film. Um, uh, she sort of sticks out a bit. Uh, her her delivery in in this movie is bizarre. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. It it's it's all. Uh, is she a British actor? Yeah, right. Because she's just <laughs> she's hamming on this this mm. Cockney country accent. Oh well, that, I don't think she's got. Yeah, that she's not comfortable with that accent. I don't think. But then again, neither is Catherine Oxenberg. Spotted dick. What <laughs> a dick! Yeah, I don't know. It, it sort of works though, because yeah, the 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 trashiness of those sorts of drab countryside farm scenes again juxtaposed with some of the more outrageous stuff in this film. I think mm. I think it's quite delightful, you know. 
And and again, it's it's supposed to be funny, you know. Yes, I mean, people mistake that. Pe- pe- yeah, people forget Ken Russell himself is like, this is supposed to be funny, like you know. And and I did read a quote from Hugh Grant saying when he went to the premiere, he didn't know, he, like he was laughing, but he didn't know whether he should be laughing, <laughs> and you know, he was embarrassed and blah blah blah. And anyway, um, but yeah, it's it's. I thought it was funny as. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I th- Russell's always in on the joke, and. Uh, it's part of his um, part of his approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. The scene where the policeman's calling for backup. For- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where his uh, his partner in uh, his his cop partner is where, where is he? Like back at the station or something? <laughs> yeah. He's put some food on and he doesn't want to leave his food. And- yeah, and the other cops got the car. So yeah, yeah. So a it's a it's small town. Small town. They've only got one cop. He's car. arrested. Arrested the taxi driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, get on your bike then. He's like, I got a flat tire. <laughs> what a lazy prick. <laughs> but it's amazing. got a button on the end of the scene. The button is it ends with a belch. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which was perfect comedic button, you know, at the end. <laughs> uh, oh, that's yeah. great. Well, I'll, I'll talk about Ken Russell, if I may. Sure. If I may. Um, so, yeah, there's a great quote by another filmmaker, Alex Cox, and he says that when the dust has settled, and his envious detractors are long forgotten. Ken Russell may be well recognised as the greatest and most original of all British British filmmakers. Um, I tend to agree. It's the only time I've seen uh, David. There's a video of David David Cronenberg uh, getting given an award, and and the people who were giving him this award um, flew in uh, Ken Ken Russell to give him the award. He was in a wheelchair at the time, and uh, it's the only time I've ever seen uh, David Cronenberg gushing and and like a little boy is when he got this award from Ken Russell, mm. uh, and that is high praise. You know, uh, David Cronenberg is uh, absolutely unshakable uh, as it you know when you hear him talk and and very sure of himself and and getting uh, given this award by Ken Russell. He just said, "I love your films so much," you know, and mm. I tend to agree. Um, he's transgressive, uh, dangerous. Irreverent, bold, uh, lover of fine art, literature, and classical music. He's like a big naughty schoolboy, you know. And we need more of those, particularly now. These types of films, his films, are a complete antidote to what's going on right now. And that's why I'm that's why I'm pumping it up. So I want everyone who's listening to this, who's got uh, the means to do so, to find Ken Russell's movies uh, and, and watch them. His his four that I'll mention uh, to you. So maybe in reverse order. 1984, Crimes of Passion, which we are going to watch on this show. I cannot wait for you guys to see that. Uh, that's got Kathleen Turner in it, and it's fucking outrageous. You're never going to stop talking about it. Um, similarly bonkers. Uh, 1980, Altered States, uh, script by a novel by Paddy Chayefsky, uh, a, a, a hugely influential film uh, uh, with William uh, Hurt in the, in the main role. Um, excellent special effects. Um, 19, and now we go back to, we're going to skip a bit. To good, There's two films that came out in 1971, and I think everyone needs to see them, uh, The Music Lovers and The Devils, in both the same year. Both incredible films. Uh, Music Lovers is a, is a biopic about Tchaikovsky with Richard Chamberlain. And uh, The Devils is the film that Ricky, so Ricky said that, um, you know, with a few nips and tucks of maybe pushing this film elements of it, it would be a film that everyone, you know, is aware of and probably is is completely infamous. 1971's The Devils is that movie. Banned, controversial, edited, 
you know, underground videos of it passed around now, beautifully restored. Uh, absolutely incredible film, The Devils. Uh, a, a true masterwork. Now, I don't like to, do, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about other films on on a, on a, on a podcast where we're talking about this film, but, you know, I, I just need to because... You know, he Ken Russell's is such an Ken Russell is such an important filmmaker, and 1971's The Devils is a film that everybody should see. Every, absolutely everybody should see this movie. It is it is uh, frightening and funny and scary and sexy and all of those like all those ritual scenes and stuff that that are in this movie in uh, Little White Worm are there balls out in The Devils. And I cannot imagine what it would have been like to see some of his films, like The Devils and the Music Lovers, in 1971 when, you know, we're, we're, we're not too far off. Well, John Wayne Westons were still being made mm. at that time. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? So uh, we're only – we forget that Easy Rider was only 1969. Mm. Uh, and then a, a hop, skip and a jump uh, before that, you know, we, we're, we're in Doris Dayland. You know, we've mm. got Doris Day and um, – uh, you know Tony Randall and, and Rock Hudson uh, goofing about on the with these big awkward comedies, and then a couple of years later, it's the Devils. And when you see the Devils, you just go, "Oh my God, this guy, the, whoever made this movie, is dangerous." So what I'd say is um, that these are the works that endure. You know, they're the ones that excite us. His films are, you know, they keep it, keep us up at night. Um, you know, either through fright or 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 for a chubby or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> but either way, look, they're the works that uh, the corporations can't replicate. You know, mm. there's no factory method for creating Ken Russell movies. You know, you can't, in the way they factory made Black Widow recently, uh, you can't fact you can't factory make uh, this film. You can't factory make any of his movies. He's dangerous, and you wonder if he's a madman. You know, you're never safe, and and uh, we won't remember these timid, like, sort of PSA after-school special Oscar movies about social issues. We won't. We just won't. We never do. Now, if you think we're going to remember Moonlight and all these movies or uh, Crash from uh, early noughts or whatever, we don't. You just have to look, you know, uh, the movies we talk about um, decades later, like 50 years later, you know, because we've we've had those movies about Nuremberg and, and and whatever that were really thick with their social messaging or movies about like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which is a, a dreadful, dreadfully boring movie about uh, a woman bringing a, a you know a black guy to dinner. Um, we don't remember those movies. We remember uh, Vertigo, uh, you know, a movie about like necrophilia and obsession. You know, we remember uh, the Devils. We remember the Wild Bunch. We remember. Robert Altman movies and and you know the Godfather and whatnot. We don't remember those other movies. So that's 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 for me to say that you know I really encourage everyone to to just find as much Ken Russell and get him in your life because because if you're sick of what's going on now, he is the antidote. He's one of the antidotes. You, you know, and you just just watch Altered States and The Devils, and 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 get everyone you know and talk about it and make these films come alive. Like the way we're talking about uh, Lair of the White Worm today. You know what I mean? I really feel like um, this movie, Lair of the White Worm, is in a real affront to this to this nonsense that's going on. Don't you think? Don't you think that you watch this movie and you just go, "Wow!" Like this is like I know there was that that article you sent from the Guardian. Oh, well, this is my guilty pleasure. It, mm. I, I feel yep. no guilt watching this mm. movie. Only only uh, uh, a simp from the Guardian would say it's my guilty. <laughs> My guilty pleasure, well, because yeah, I know yeah. because what you normally have to sit up reading Robin D'Angelo or something. You know what I mean? Like 
for goodness sakes, I'm not guilty. I, th- I think that this is essential viewing. Mm. <laughs> well, well, I sent, I sent you guys another article that was much better. That mm. was, um, where was it from? It's from a, yeah, a classified. It's something called Classified, which is uh, it's a regular column on genre by April Wolf. And um, I actually highlighted some quotes about uh, Lady Sylvia. For, that's a much better article. Uh, that They don't go into this sort of territory of it's my guilty pleasure sort of thing, you know. Um, I hate that sort of hedging. I just, I just feel like saying, who are you talking to? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I totally agree that when you see this film, you're like, it blows your mind apart, and and it, and I think it is such a good. If anything, it's just a good respite from the the social justice PC world that that we're currently living in. Some of the just insipid um, dramas that you see on on Netflix about you know women working working at a fashion magazine or whatever, publishing just, house or a publishing house, interns, or, or you know, yeah, <laughs> hot hot young hot young. Uh, <laughs> In intersectional interns, yeah, yeah, that are quest- questioning their sexuality. Oh, and- you better be- fucking believe they're questioning. <laughs> they're, they're questioning yeah. real hard, and the answer is not heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But this article, you know, it 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 um it makes the point that Russell's much more concerned with evil uh, and is much more energized by evil than he is by. Uh, you know, by the good forces or or the quote, you know, the in quotes good people or the the good guys in the in the film, you know, and I've I've just highlighted this really good quote about uh, Lady Sylvia. Um, she says, but ultimately, Lady Sylvia's potency as a villain also comes with her ability to embrace the spectrum of gender expression. She's equal parts masculine and feminine to the extreme. At one point, she appears in painted blue skin, breasts bare, with a giant brass phallus strapped to her hips. Russell seems to delight in that kind of sexual confusion, poking fun at binaries, whether it's that of male and female, good and evil, or God and the devil. Um What's so wonderful about Russell's quintessential female villain uh, is that she embodies a sense of evil that has no gender. Um, it has no feelings. It simply is, and it's quite fun to get to know it. So I think that's a that was a good quote for me because it does talk about the gender stuff, but not not like we talk about gender in in 2021. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Russell's having fun with it. Like you can't have fun with gender in in 2021. You know, you can't poke fun at it. You can't um, make jokes about it. Uh, you definitely can't imply that that someone who is is non-binary or intersex or something might be an, an evil villain. You know, um, that would be that would be beyond the pale. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Russell operates in um, you know this world where you know he understands that human beings sort of. Uh, are drawn to these binaries and he likes to play with them and make and 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 you know in the same way i guess you know, that someone like david bowie used to play mm. play with them whatever and yeah. uh but if you agree with the, with this new uh gender ideology then you know you abhor that you're trying to create this this new uh this new thing in between where where there are no there are there there, there is no difference between uh, men or women or something or or like that and so therefore all the jokes and references get lost do you know what i mean like if yeah. you buy into that nothing nothing works anymore because you go you know as nice an idea as it as it is 
It's Ken Russell uh, deals with the world we we live in, the the psychic world we all live in, most of us anyway. Um, and uh, and when you're a radical uh, gender ideologue, it's um you know it's a fairly humorless sort of place. Check out the libs of TikTok. Yeah, check out the libs of TikTok. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's on Twitter, Twitter and Insta. That was a plug. That was a bit of a plug. <laughs> so critics, critics were divided over this film. Roger Ebert gave it two stars out of four. Don't know why he's doing it out of four, but um, <laughs> called it a respectable B-grade monster movie. Maybe that's a typo that I've pulled from Wikipedia. Like, you know, is he rating things out of four? I don't know. He does. Yeah. Oh, he does. Okay. Uh, Variety called it a rollicking, terrifying post psychedelic head trip. Polar opposites there. Um, I, I read the Ebert review from back in the day, and he just basically says, "Look at the cover. You get what you get." And so you don't. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you the plot. Just look at the cover. That's He's pretty, such pretty much an all he asshole. does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he he likes what he likes, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, and but he um you know he would he would be well aware of Ken Russell's project, and and I think he's sort of giving it a little bit more. You know, he can see that it's it's different to you know uh, as much as I I really enjoy the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but it is different to those movies. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like this is this is trying to do something different. It's not playing anything straight, and uh, it's 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 using a whole different. It it also yeah. highlights that difference between European filmmaking in this genre and American filmmaking. Like you've already said, like you can have as many deaths as you want in in a horror movie or an action movie from America, but if there's any any hint of sexuality involved in that. Um, it's it's seen as beyond the pale. You just can't do it. Whereas, particularly French cinema and and Italian cinema, and I guess to a lesser degree British cinema, um, can go there. Where America just seems to be so concerned about it, so so prudish when it comes to nudity, sex. It, it's really quite strange to see even like a, a slasher film or a, or a horror film. A uh, you know that that's devoid of any sort of sex in it. It's, it's it's a bit strange. You just get those white tank tops where you can see nips. <laughs> that's, that's all you can do. <laughs> that is what that is the the final girl outfit, isn't it? Yeah. Those those tank tops. Je- Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, I approve. <laughs> that's what you were watching for the whole. 90 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yes. When she's running around without a bra on. What are you waiting for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, there's a couple of things here. I think um, if we can just discuss the, the Me Too meter. Mm. The Me Too meter. Um, so I'll, I'll weigh it up for you and you, you tell me what you think. So a couple of things. So Lord Dampton, Hugh Grant says he requires chastity belts for the maids. The, maid, the maids are getting into a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. um, which I think, you know, he's implying, I suspect, that they're promiscuous and he wants them to stop having sex with men, I think. Uh, next, he sees when we're in Stonebridge Cabin, um, there's a cave drawing of... Um, of lady dicks well, mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't they describe it as the best of both worlds yeah and 
No, but he he in a rebu- a dry rebuke of of gender ideology, he says, "Ah, so they had women's lib even in those days." Yeah. <laughs> so he sees it as a charming phase um, of la- you know he doesn't he doesn't see the lady dick as empowering. He doesn't see it for what it should be, which is a message to us all, you know, to I don't know um, accept accept it. Into us, uh, so pegging. yeah, yeah. Well, essentially, this movie is this is pro pegging. You know, this, this movie, this movie is saying, um, get your peg on. If you're not getting pegged, then do you even peg? That's right. <laughs> you know, so uh, the next- fa- famous Steely Dan song called Peg. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but there's a song called Jake the Peg. <laughs> there is as well. I think that's by I think that's by a pederast though, so I don't think we can sing that. No, um, I can't sing that one. No, 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 don't don't sing that. <laughs> Next, the male gaze, the phallocentric Im- imagery could be a problem for some people. See, leftists, what they don't like, these radicals, they don't like innuendo, you know. They don't like carry on antics, they're not that's not allowed, okay? Innuendo. <laughs> see, there you go. They'd say that's rape culture, okay? Yeah. So when James uh, Hugh Grant lifts his pen, they'd say, "Ah, yes." They'd say, "Here it is, the pa- yeah. the penis of the patriarchy coming bearing down on us once Just again." Enjoy the moment. Yeah, it's funny. Is funny it though? Is I'd it? Fun. Um, Lady Sylvia kisses James uh, with no warning. But this is a line one because really she's just leaning in, as Cheryl Shanberg would say, you know, Shanberg. I think so. I mean, cause I think if he did it, if if mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm looking at the power imbalance there because you have to, it's a, you know, you have to look at the power, right? Mm-hmm. So Lady Sylvia kisses Hugh Grant, his character, um, but I think maybe she's just being a girl boss, just you know, taking what she wants <laughs> when she wants it, you know, killing cunts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, finally, there are titties, and they're good, and that's what not a allowed. Creep. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you said it. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is that, that that good titties is not allowed. So it's got to be gross. If it like, if it, if it was some disgusting, um, you know, wildebeest. That's then. Then it's beautiful. Okay. Then get the Oscars lined up. But Lady Sylvia's titties. That that is a, a big mark. So look, I've given you the charges. Okay, I've given you these are the charges before you. What what do you, you say? You did you didn't mention the bloodlust scene where where um, is it the centurions are just stabbing. <laughs> Mary to death with their massive penises. They're they're weapons right. of mass destruction. Right. Okay. Well, you know, yeah, that's that's bad too. That's that's very bad too. So what <laughs> AJ, have I missed anything out? Did anything slip by me? Or... Well, the plane scene. Right. Just constant showing of the legs. Oh, right. yeah. The thigh, the upper thigh. Because that's that, that's and disgusting. the cat fight disgusting. as well, the rolling. Oh, yeah. Round. oh yes. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, yes. Cat, okay, disgusting. so about an eight. Eight, yep. Mm. Okay, Ricky. It's it's uh, it's high for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably probably an, probably seven. Yeah, I gave it seven. Well, even the caves, how you're always seeing caves with an opening. Mm. Oh, and there's badges a, everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and there's a giant, there's a giant worm <laughs> yeah. in there, 
just root, rooting around. Just trying to get it. Get that virgin. Well, so, <laughs> <laughs> so seven out of ten, I agree. I tend to agree. Um, but as Pete said, it, you know, in some ways it kind of means ten out of ten, like, you know, in, in quality of, of enjoyment. There, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Like, so unfortunately it is high on the Me Too meter. But then again, what isn't? <laughs> <Not days>. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this uh this story of the damned and worm, just before we sounds like we're wrapping it up. So uh I just wanted to mention bring 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 to your attention that this actually spawned an opera. Uh, not the film, but the story. So uh, the the Lambton Worm is an opera in two acts by uh, Robert Sherlaw Johnson. So uh, I'm going to check that out. I only read that this morning, so I might might hunt it down and see if it's on YouTube. But I doubt whether it's going to be uh, anything like Ken Russell's version. Uh, I'm sure I'll be sorely disappointed, but would be amazing if there was a stage adaptation of this that had all the ridiculous bloodlust that this film has. Well, a film without all of that stuff that I've just mentioned, it would be fairly turgid. Boring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then there's also uh, in 1989 a screenwriter, Anthony Schaefer, he wrote a film treatment for uh, a sequel called The Loathsome Lampton Worm. And um, uh, it never got made, but there's a fan-made full-cast audio drama adaptation of this. Oh, wow. Uh, released in 2020. So um, that might be worth checking out. That might be good. Might be awful. Who knows? But um, <laughs> Roll the dice. <laughs> roll the dice. See what happens. Yeah. I just want to say how great the ending is. Oh, I yeah. I love the ending. Yeah. yeah. The look at the it's, camera. It's the same it sort great. of ending that you get in The Thing. Carpenter's the thing, so it's good. Yeah, it's the sort of sting in the tail mm. type thing. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So Hugh Grant realizes that uh, the uh, Angus character he's been bitten on the leg as they're driving along in the car, and they sort of look at each other, and it's uh, it's implied that um, yeah, that uh, Angus has been taken over. He's got the venom inside of him, and um, yeah, it's up to you to decide what happens next. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping it's more pegging. <laughs> Does that get me in with the radicals? <laughs> so, yes, take um. away. Uh, so, final thoughts, Ricky. Come on, what do you got? All right, phallic serpents and sexy snakes indulge in the guilty pleasure of virgin sacrifice and bloodlust. There's nothing like a weird chubby. <laughs> I can't stop that. So long. (laughs) I know. That's good, though. That was great, though. I've gone short. Okay, here we go. A noisy and naughty trouser snake of the mind. (laughs) What do you think? It's good. It's good. (laughs) I like it. Thank you very much. But, but Astro, you and I, we've talked about this before, the, the strange phenomenon of the weird chubby where you're watching something disturbing but- it, it it has flesh in it, so so you got a chubby, but it's weird. Mm. I, I'm not supposed to find this sexually arousing, but I do. I'm confused. What do I do? What do I do? And there are great battles within. <laughs> yeah, especially yes. when your wife hates the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, she hates the movie, not not for the reasons you might think. Like it's not because of the 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 bloodlust and the and the weird surrealist montagey bits. It's it's the it's the bad acting and it's the Very. you know it's the she she finds all of that stuff as just an excuse uh, to to for, you know for the more outlandish stuff. She's like you know oh, the plot sucks. You know there's actors are awful. The dialogue, <laughs> what the fuck? Like right. that's what she, she hates. She doesn't know? blame me for m- these films being around, does she? She does. Well, she 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 used to. Now now it's seen as sort of part of my job. It's acceptable, <laughs> you know. Whereas before, when when you used to suggest something to watch and right. and it was something of this ilk, um, <laughs> she she would be quite angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all fucking coming out now, eh? It's all coming out. Uh, all right, Venga. I'm glad what I've done to you. Okay. <laughs> There is there is a certain perverse pleasure in 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 getting people to watch movies like absolutely this. oh absolutely. definitely yeah it's you feel like you're uh, you know giving them what for mm. <laughs> <laughs> take that Frank take, yes. take that take that Venga shut up Katie you'll enjoy this one <laughs> you won't <laughs> you walk out <laughs> yeah oh yeah she, the beach girls she she just she couldn't take it anymore she had to walk out. <laughs> I was all alone. Uh, all right. Well, next week, uh, another fan request. We're going to do Stripes. Uh, but I think we should do, because um, I think that'll that'll be good, but I think we should add um, Meatballs in with it. Then I it, watched Meatballs yesterday. Well, there you go. You've done your homework. It's good. So if we do a Murray double, it's Stripes yeah. and Meatballs, then we've got it all covered. And I think that's a double Ivan Reitman deal. I suspect, mm. or maybe, or Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis and Ivan Ryman. Great. There we go. Yay. Okay. Well, um, we said what we said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Hey, it's okay to have a chubby. In your endo. <laughs>